following podcast is scheduled for one fall. Hailing from the Pro Wrestling Tees headquarters in Chicago, Illinois, they are your hosts of the PWT cast, Scrub and Stank! Bang, bang, what is up, you guys? Welcome to episode 51 of the PWT cast. My name is Scrump. And this is Stank. And we're your hosts of the PWT cast. We bring you brand new episodes every Monday. Uh, and we have been for about the last year now. Dave, we're almost at episode uh, 52, which is our big one-year anniversary. Uh, how are you feeling after 51 episodes of podcasting? You know, <clears throat> we've talked about this on and off uh, probably for the past couple of weeks, but we've had a chance to kind of go back and, and see where uh, where we started and where we're at now. And uh, it's been quite a journey, to be honest with you. We, we were kind of... I don't want to say we we're not confident, but we were not practiced, I guess you would say. And, and we're a lot more comfortable doing this. And it's it's been a lot of fun, to be honest with you. I had the pleasure of recording uh, an episode with Marty DeRosa for his – he brought back his old podcast, Wrestling with Depression. And I just – I had a flashback to the first time because he's episode one. You know, like mm-hmm. he's someone I've admired for a long time. So I figured who better to have on for episode one than Marty DeRosa. And I remember like doing that episode and not that it was bad or anything, but I just remember feeling very nervous, you know, like very much just like, oh, like just nervous. And when we recorded that episode, it just like it all clicked, you know, like it's almost like the first time you try. I guess to like ride a bike or um, play play a sport, do something, some sort of activity that you're not that good at, but you keep you're slowly doing it more and more, and then after a while you're like, oh shit! Like it was kind of the same way to me with when I used to drive. I used to be so nervous. I used to like was just a really bad driver, and then one day I'm just driving and I was like, huh, I got this shit fucking down, you know. And that's very much how I feel with us with podcasting. I've I'm gonna release a video later in the, later this week uh, from us recording the intro slash outro to the very first episode we did. I was going through my phone and I found footage of it, and you can very much even just from like our body language kind of tell that we were a little nervous, but it's been fun. We're like, yeah, we're kind of like, what are we doing? <laughs> Exactly. And hey, if you're a new listener, uh, go back and listen to some of the older episodes we've had. You know, there's been uh, a quite interesting plethora of people that we have. For those of you unaware, we don't only just have wrestlers like Kylie Ray, Colt Cabana, Effie, Ethan Page, Hornswoggle, uh, Matt Cardona, Brian Myers. Uh, we've got people who work here at the shop. You know, we've got people that do shipping, people that print, uh, just a myriad of people that work here. And uh, along with people just kind of related to the world of wrestling. Uh, we managed to get Kevin Smith as well too, along with Jason Muse. Uh, but it's, it's been quite a journey, you know, we've had like really fun, just really getting to know people through episodes. Like we had one with Daphne and killer cross as well. Carrying cross now for those of you guys, uh, who watch NXT and it's been just a lot of fun for us. We kind of strive on not being, you know, like, uh, what was your journey into professional wrestling like? And uh, what were your major, you know, none of that. Like, we like to yeah. talk to the people, get to know them a little bit more. And I think, you know, I, I personally feel there's been one episode that was a little, meh. 
but aside from that, like every other one, it's always positive things. Uh, mm-hmm. Last week, I, I got a lot of a lot of great feedback for last week's episode. Last week we had on the boys who are working on uh, Tales from the Cryptic Closet too. Uh, for those of you unaware, we are sponsored by many people, Freelance Wrestling, M3 Toys, but one of those is uh, the Cryptic Closet, and Vinny, uh, who started the Cryptic Closet, works on it along with his brother Moses. They put together, with uh, the help of Guerrilla Publishing, a comic book, Tales of the Cryptic Closet 1, knocked it out of the park with that, and their Kickstarter just now, uh, and we're recording Sunday, uh, closed today, and they crushed their goal. Their initial goal yeah. was five thousand, I believe. Was, yeah. and they ended up getting like almost seventy eight hundred out of it. So exactly, and that five thousand they crushed in four days. You know, so yeah. it was it was really fun and really cool to see like our f- friends' hard work pay off. And in conjunction with them, we we ran a contest last week. The contest was pretty simple. Uh, it, it started out as just you'll get a free T shirt by simply going to our page. Uh, make sure you're following us like and retweet or pin tweet and then Vinny, the so gears started turning i could see it turning <laughs> yeah. Vinny chimes in and says you know what i'll do you one better the person who wins that contest i'll also throw in a free t-shirt courtesy of the cryptic closet we're like oh shit thank you Vinny. even better even better and then you look over at julio and he says i'll do you one even better uh, he's like, I will provide uh, every issue uh, that Guerrilla Publishing has put out on top of the free T-shirts that you're already getting. And there was, a, and I I tweeted about it too. I was like, hey, if you donate to the Kickstarter, we'll throw in your name twice in, in the little drawing that we had. And there was quite a few people. I was so proud of 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 the following that we have that they would contribute, whether it was one dollar, whether it was a hundred dollars, to their Kickstarter because. I feel that if you've listened to to their past episodes, either with them individually or the one we did last week, you hear that passion come through. You hear how like this is a thing that they're they're serious about and that they care about yeah. deeply. And it's something that we care about deeply too, you know? Like I I love seeing my friends like be successful in the things that they want to be successful in. Mm-hmm. Especially when you hear how they very much were just like, Well, we're gonna gamble on ourselves and do this and boy did they uh so without further ado i guess it's, it's time we announced the winner of the contest there was uh quite a few listeners of ours that actually did donate to the kickstarter but uh the winner of the contest is gonna have to go to our friend carol seibart uh carol congratulations you are the yeah, winner of uh, some t-shirts go ahead and uh, shoot me an, uh, a dm over on the twitter and we'll go ahead and get all your information and take care of that and thanks again to everyone else who donated to the kickstarter everyone else who downloaded the episode liked and retweeted we appreciate all of you guys um david you mentioned to me earlier that you're almost through with doom patrol and i'm a little disappointed in myself because i i mentioned to you when i was about halfway through actually might have been like three-fourths of the way through and then i moved and i just have i i fell behind on it forgot about it but it is something i want to pick it pick back up how are you enjoying the show so far you know, I, I got to say, and I think I've mentioned it a couple times, I was kind of skeptical. I've always been skeptical about the stuff that DC's putting out because, like, to me, Marvel really set a benchmark in, in most of their, you know, media stuff where it's really good or it's really ambitious and maybe they don't hit the mark well, but, you know, it's a good effort and you can appreciate it. DC, to me, sometimes 
they're real wishy-washy with some of their stuff. And I mean, to be honest, I looked at it and I thought like, uh, so robot man in there, I was like, this is really corny. And I saw clips of it where they were like overly cursing. And I was like, Oh, it's one of these where, you know, this is for mature audiences. So we're going to say, you know, we're going to drop F bombs constantly. And, and they do that. Um, but I, I watched it, I gave it a chance and like the first two episodes, I was like, wow, this is pretty good. And then I kept watching and the part that I thought would be the most eye roll inducing is actually one of the most endearing parts of the show. And even we, we had company over last night and, uh, I was like, Hey, have you been watching Doom Patrol? And he's like, nah, it looks really corny, man. I, I don't know. I don't know if I like that robot. And it was like staring into my past self and I was like, no, 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 give it a chance. Watch it. Uh, you'll enjoy it. it it's it's charming, and then um, I, don't know, I can't remember if it was you. Someone told me that Jared Way is the one doing the show, or Gerard Way, he, however you say his name. Uh, he is working, or he. I know he has written the newer issues of Doom Patrol. I don't know okay. if I don't know how much of his hand he has in this on the show. Yeah, because I, I obviously he's been uh, working with the people over at Netflix for uh, the Umbrella Academy. But well, yeah, definitely. If you, if you like the Umbrella Academy, it's the same. It's colored with the same warmth and the tone, and like Umbrella Academy easily is like something you could look at, and on the surface it looks ridiculous. And how is this show going to work? But like those of you that have watched it, know. Umbrella Academy is a great show, and um, if you've watched Umbrella Academy, liked it, and were skeptical about Doom Patrol, don't be. It's it's like watching another version of Umbrella Academy. It's it's great. I, you know, and we're like two episodes away. In fact, uh, we're in the middle of the third to last episode right now, and I was like, oh, I gotta go, I gotta go do some of the podcast stuff right now. So right after we get off of this, uh, I'm gonna go right back and probably finish the season. So. Highly recommend it. I give it like five stars. And my wife likes it. She doesn't normally like comic book stuff, but loves it. So The one thing I I took away from it the most was how good of an actor Brendan Fraser is because like you're see you're just you're hearing a lot of the emotion coming through, obviously through the through the CGI on on the mm-hmm. robot, but a lot of it comes in his deliverance of certain lines, the way he says things. And you sometimes like sit there and you're just like Oh man, like you you legit feel sympathy for this man who I gotta say I don't want I don't want to spoil an episode because I don't know where you're at, but there's one episode um and I'm not even gonna give any clues as to what I'm talking about, but it, except that he it's with him and it's so uh it hurts so good. This is the best way I can like it's painful, but it's like really um warm to see i i can't describe it any other way than like it was kind of a gut punch and then like you felt like you know when you watch a movie you're like oh oh but like not in a bad way like i don't know no i i I get what you mean i I understand what you mean uh listen i'm i'm going after this i'm going to uh grab some food uh with some friends socially distant there's only four of us are going and it's in his yard uh but afterwards i'm definitely going to come back home and and watch that i've actually this week i rewatched the watchman on hbo uh (laughs) funny enough so much of that show coming to fruition uh we won't get political but just boy did boy did damon Lindelof uh predict 2020 very well but in rewatching exactly 
but I've been on a very big Watchmen kick. I I went to Half Price Books like I normally do. Yesterday, I, I was yesterday I was on a mission of just kind of running around trying to run errands. I bought myself a, a new desk. Uh, the one I was using is now our podcast table. It, much better use of of this table instead of the as my shitty desk that I didn't really need. I got a more uh, practical desk to use. Uh, but I stopped by half price books because I was, I was looking for uh doomsday clock and they had it, they had issue one. So, or the volume mm-hmm. one, cause the omnibus isn't now yet. So I bought volume one and they also had there. Are you familiar with like hero clicks? Mm-hmm. So they had right there, right in front of me, I, like they, they, uh, placed them. I mean, the way they, they were, they were smart about it. Because right there's volume one of uh, Doomsday Clock, and right above it was a collection of all 25 of the Hero Clicks Watchmen in this fucking awesome box. I'm staring at it right now. It says Who Watches the Watchmen on it. So cool. Like NECA produced it. Uh, so I was super excited about that. And um, like I mentioned, I picked up Doomsday Clock. I also picked up, I was not aware that this was a thing. There's two animated Hellboy movies. Yeah, where, yeah. They, where they bring back the, like the original cast to voice them and stuff. I was able to snag that up as well, and I'm excited to watch that. I finally, along with rewatching Watchmen, uh, friend of the show Matt Nix has forever been telling me you got to watch Clerks the animated series, and I'm a huge fan of Clerks, and I have yeah. it. I have two. I have I'm two copies. You have it. <laughs> I yeah, I don't know why. I just I hadn't watched it. And I finally, I had some time, and it's six episodes, about half hour each. Last night I was doing my laundry, and I have not done my laundry. I mean, like, I've washed, like, my socks and underwear because I have a lot of them, but working, you know, where we work, I've got nothing but T-shirts. I could probably have gone till Christmas. And that's, not even, and that's not even me being hyperbolic. I could have literally gone until Christmas and not had to wash another t-shirt and not have to like wear another t-shirt like two times in a row. I just have that many t-shirts. It's gross. It's, it's disgusting. I know. Trust me. I, and doing it's a laundry, perk of the business, though. Exactly. I also got rid of a lot of t-shirts though as well for one reason or the other. But doing that, I had a lot of time to kill. So I blasted through Clarkson animated series and it was really good. I liked it. If, if any of you haven't seen it out there, find it. I, again, I, I both copies of it I got at like disc replay for maybe like five, six bucks. Um, if not, I'm sure you can find it online. But it was really fun. Uh it filled it kind of filled that hole of like um there not being any anything new from them. I'm actually pretty bummed because I was supposed to meet them pre COVID and you know, for one reason or the other, uh I I was like, you know what? I'll pick this specific date to go see them at this specific convention. And then the world shut down and I kicked myself in the teeth for not just driving up to, I think it was like Wisconsin and you know, it is what it is now. But er earlier in the week I posted uh, last weekend, courtesy of uh, Lilu Multiprops, friends of the show, I got this fucking awesome clerk's hockey Jersey, which according to Brian O'Halloran who plays, Dante in you know the the view askew movies and clerks and stuff it was made originally uh for people who bought uh VHS copies for their radio stores so it was like a prom- like a one-time promotional item uh I have it signed by uh Mar- Marilyn 
Gigliotti, uh, Jeff Anderson, who plays Randall, uh, Brian O'Halloran, Jason Muse, Kevin Smith. So I'm going to get that bad boy fucking framed up and thrown in here in the office, which I, I started putting up a lot more artwork in here in the office. Now that we kind of had like our little desk area situated, it looks pretty fucking cool. Uh, once it's all you know said and done with, I'll, I'll take pictures of it to, to show everyone. But um, I'm pretty excited, though. Speaking of frivolous expenditure and slash podcast office decorations, oh. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so those of you that follow me on Instagram know – one, my desk is covered in Ninja Turtles. I love Ninja Turtles. And so I, I bought like a Leonardo mask that looks like, you know, from the, the movie. And then uh, I was scrolling through eBay and some guy's selling a one-to-one replica of Shredder's helmet from the movie. It was like 300 bucks, 250 bucks or something. And my wife's like, absolutely not. This is getting out of control. <laughs> well, lo and behold um, – I'm going to shorten up the story because it's kind of long, but I have a bowl of micro brawlers, a candy bowl of like full of like some of the original micro brawlers that I was trying to collect all of them. Eventually there was just too many. There's not enough candy bowls that I could fit on my desk. And someone pointed out that's, you got a lot of valuable micro brawlers in there. And I, I didn't even think of it that way. So I joined this micro brawler group. I posted a picture and all of a sudden this feeding frenzy came in. Let me get those. Can you, can you, so we worked out this thing where I would like initial the foot for these people. So they know they came from a designer and the money that came from these little pieces of rubber ended up paying for my shredder helmet. So I've got that coming. It's going to take like three or four months for the guy to make it out of fiberglass and everything. But, uh, I'm pretty stoked about it. <laughs> Yeah, when so. you when you showed me that, well, you told me you wanted to purchase it. I was like, hell yeah, this definitely sounds like th- this is a Dave thing. This is something you should yeah. get. And then you were like a little hesitant at first, but once when once you committed and you bought it, I was like, fuck yeah, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to have it displayed up yeah. here because I mean, if it's made of like fiberglass and shit, yeah, that's just, it's gonna look so cool. Oh, uh, so finally, before we get to, to this week's interview, for those of you guys who have been following me for the last, I don't know, two months, you know all about the couch saga. For those of you unaware, yeah. I've been trying to get a freaking couch into our recording studio. It's pretty big. Um, the world shut down, so I was unable to you know, go to the furniture stores that I wanted to. Finally, everything opened back up. There was looting and rioting and the neighborhood where I wanted to go get said furniture and they destroyed the store. So I had to, you know, I had to wait a little bit for that. Finally went and they, they were just like very rude at the store, like yeah. very unattentive, very rude. Like I remember I was like, Oh, Hey, like I saw this couch on your website, you know, you guys have on sale. And they're just like, no. And I was like, uh huh. And they were just like, no. And I was like, Awesome cool fantastic won't even waste my time you know like they were just very like the dude didn't even look up from his computer he was just yeah so i was just like ah whatever i won't give you time day so i went over to bob's bought a couch pulled the trigger too early because i saw it immediately saw another couch that i wanted but thankfully bob's uh return policy is just hey as you can you can wait up until the day of until three hours up until the day of that we're uh, supposed to deliver and you can cancel it, you know, no charge. And I, I, I did that because it, the couch, again, I, it was more of an impulse to buy. 
And I was like, ah, I was like, I don't even really want it that bad. I just wanted something. And yeah. I had seen another couch. I was like, oh, this one's perfect. It comes with the Shea Lounge. It'll be it'll be perfect for like when we start doing the YouTube stuff because we can have the guests sit there. Oh, it's awesome. It also, it was just, but it was a lot more pricey. Was, let me tell you, it was almost double what the other couch was. So, pulled the trigger yesterday, bought it, and it was just like, oh, a Bob specialist will call you tomorrow morning to schedule a thing or whatever. Cool. Get a call in the morning. Guys, like, hey, yeah, so you purchased the couch. You know, blah, 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 woo, woo, woo. Uh, unfortunately, the next day I have available is until September 12th for delivery. And I was like, Phew. I was like, come on. Are you kidding me? He's like, yeah, unfortunately. So uh, as of right now, I haven't returned that couch yet. But again, I got to find another fucking couch. Like I was at Target uh, earlier and I saw they had some like futons that looked somewhat comp, but I was just like, I'm not going to do that. So I'm on the look for a couch again. Uh, that is this chapter, this week's. The saga continues. The saga yeah. continues. At some point, there will be a couch in here that I can sit in comfortably to to watch TV, and I want to use my office chair. Uh, but enough about couches, enough about movies. Let's get into this week's episode. This week, we had the pleasure of speaking with Evan Husney. Uh, he was one of the you know one half of the team that brought Dark Side of the Ring to uh, Vice and. We get into it in the interview earlier in the year when it was airing. Me and Dave, we. We didn't exactly like go uh, in depth and dissect every episode, but we talked about the episodes that stuck out to us. And I'm always a huge fan of whenever people mention that they haven't seen it yet or want to check it out. I always tell them like, start with the Bruiser Brody episode. It's so good. It's it, it's one of my favorite things. I knew nothing about Bruiser Brody going into the episode and coming out of it. I was just like, holy shit! Like, I get it. You know, I I understand why. Yeah he's so revered in the world of wrestling and why he's remembered so fondly. And it was a pretty fun chat. You know, I, I was a little bummed out that we only had, uh, you know, about an hour to record with him, uh, you know, due to work and in his schedule. But I thought it was a pretty fun interview, Dave. Yeah. He, uh, like the cool thing is seeing, like I'm most interested when we do these interviews is like how they got, to the final product, whether it's a wrestler or uh, someone involved in wrestling, like just hearing this guy um, and you'll hear it in the interview, but he, he talks about the skepticism that he was faced with when he presented the idea from, you know, Vice is, is a pretty well-known uh, media outlet and, but that's not their cup of tea. And, you know, he talked about uh, the reactions you get from non-wrestling fans when you bring up some of this stuff. And, um, just like I've been a big fan of what they've done because you know they've taken taboo subjects that either exist uh, out there in the ether and in rumor and innuendo and stuff like that, and he really got the people that were involved and that knew the stories best and shed light on it. And you know, it's the dark side of the ring, and he's shedding light on it. That's it's the best combination. And and the great thing is, like you said, you didn't know much about Bruiser Brody it attracts those type of fans. It also attracts fans that were big fans of Bruiser Brody. It's like the perfect, you know, it's like unsolved mysteries, but for wrestling, it's great. So I feel if there's anything that you take away from this episode is for all of you who are known as like the wrestling person at work, at school, amongst your family and who kind of get not, I don't even want to necessarily say ridicule, but not taking it. Yeah. Um, you'll definitely come out of this feeling validated 
because that that's that, sure. that's definitely the sense that I got from him. And yeah, it's it's a it's a really fun episode. Uh, and let's stop talking about. It. Let's just go ahead and, and get into it with the, none other than uh, Evan Husney. I'm not sure about yourself, David, but the first time I was aware of Dark Side of the Ring was through friends of the show, John Pollock and Wei Ting. They, they were speaking about it, and it sounded very interesting. And it wasn't that long after that I heard everyone talking about the uh, Bruiser Brody episode. And I was never, like, I knew the name. I just wasn't aware of the history. So when everyone's talking about it, you got to check it out. I'm like, all right, sure. Immediately, I was like, holy shit. Like, yeah. one, the structure, you know, the way the flashbacks are done is awesome. Just the story was finally told to me. And again, I been at that point involved with wrestling for i don't know 10 years you know been into it never really knew the story but i think that's the beauty of dark side of the ring mm-hmm. that it, it tells you a lot of the stories much like we talked about earlier in the year when we we're watching season two like it tells you a lot of these stories that you just either don't know everything about or it just like sheds a light mm-hmm. uh, on a few more things and season one was awesome season two enjoyed even more yeah um and we enjoyed it so much that we decided, hey, we need to get uh, one half of the team that put it together. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, with us, we have uh, Evan Husney from Dark Side of the Ring. Evan, how are you doing? Good. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me. <laughs> We're doing good. We're doing good. We've been looking forward to this because uh, uh, the topic of the show comes up, you know, in just regular conversation at the shop regularly. So, um Oh, We're pretty excited about cool. this. I mean, especially now that, uh, for those unaware, we have the Dark Side of the Ring shirts available at Pro Wrestling Tees. Um, but like before we get into that, uh, you know, I, I felt like kind of like I mentioned, season one was like, you know, it got people talking, but especially with season two to mm-hmm. open up with, you know, the Chris Benoit story and to cap it off with like the uh-huh. Owen Hart story. Um, like, what was the reception for you guys? Because I, I heard some interview with you guys. It was like after the the Benoit episode, but you guys hadn't gotten to the Owen one yet. And like, yeah. I know personally, I heard nothing but positive things about like the Owen one. Um, but what has it been like for you guys now that you know all of season two is out and you know people have been able to see everything? Well, um, it's been awesome to see the response uh, to season two. I mean, it was uh, it was the biggest undertaking of anything I've ever done in my life. <laughs> um, you know, not just to follow. Uh, the success of season one, but um, just, you know, basically producing 10 hours of television in about more or less eight or nine months of time. So which involved, you know, tons of travel. Uh, We did, I think, around 87, 88 interviews for all of season two (laughs) Um, and, you know, shot just, you know, hundreds of hours of footage and, um, you know, had to basically deliver this uh, to air as as it was airing. So every, uh, so when the first episodes hit, you know, all the, all of the rest of the episodes weren't finished yet. So we were, we were locked into, uh, a schedule and it was very hectic. And then, you know, COVID-19 broke out and, uh, you know, we were, I think we, we filmed the last two shots of the Owen Hart episode, um, two days before all of Ontario shut down where we produced the show. Um, and, uh, yeah, then we had to start working and editing remotely after that, just in order to finish it. Um, so yeah, it was just a wild, crazy year. That's a total blur to me now. It's hard to even (laughs) pick out individual days, but it feels good to have it out. It feels really good that, um, 
you know, people were stoked on it and, uh, you know, and, and we're just, we're, we're, um, so thankful and grateful to all the subjects that, you know, trusted us, uh, with their stories and allowed us to tell their stories, um, and all that. It was just a really, really awesome experience, uh, through and through. I, I felt, I think the one thing that stuck out to me the most is you can mention it. Like it's, it seems very genuine, you know, the way that you guys kind of approach each subject, especially with something as like touchy as the whole like Chris Benoit thing, you know, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's very easy to kind of make it a very like salacious, salacious. Yeah. yeah kind of thing. But the way you guys approach that, even with like I'm, my personal part, cause I'm a, I'm a huge Eddie Guerrero fan. So kind of right. seeing, you know, Eddie and the impact that he had and how that very much factors into part two, like it was, it all felt very genuine. I guess is is the word to say it because there's been you know, like I know there was like a Chris Benoit book written before in the past, and I I personally haven't read it, but I know a lot of people were like, uh, it, it felt more like a like a TMZ sort of like article as opposed to here's the story of what happened. Yeah, well, I think um, <clears throat> I think um, well, thank you for saying that. I think that you know the way we like uh, Jason Eisner. Uh, who who makes the show with me? We co-created the show together and um, have made every episode. Um, I think the way we tend to approach the show is because you know we were fans, uh, or we've been fans for wrestling our entire lives, and so I think because it's had such a profound effect on us um, throughout throughout our lives that we. Um, you know, we we have a lot of passion for wrestling and, and we try to lead with our hearts in all the stories that we do. And, and a lot of this, you know, several of the stories that we've done have, you know, touched us uh, personally in some ways. I mean, you know, obviously, <clears throat> you know, I was a fan of Chris Benoit uh, as a as a wrestler and a performer, you know, back in his heyday. And of course, Eddie Guerrero and played as them in many video games, many wrestling video games. And uh, Owen Hart too. I mean, Owen Hart. Uh, I was a huge Owen Hart fan um, at, um, as a kid. I remember the the day that he passed away very, very, very vividly. And I remember the next day uh, at school and kind of going. He was the first. He was the first celebrity death that actually really profoundly affected me. And uh, uh, my father's name is Owen. So Owen, you know, Hart was the only other Owen that I really knew. And so I just kind of felt like I connected with him in, in a lot of ways. So yeah, I mean, I think we tend to approach it. Just, you know, more so that, you know, these stories affected us personally and we have so much passion for the industry. And although the name of the show is Dark Side of the Ring and we do explore some of the consequences and some of the darker aspects of the profession, you know, we still, even after all of this, you know, really still respect uh, what, uh, you know, everyone does and and we still are fans and we still watch wrestling to this day. So, um, yeah, I think that's probably a large part of the reason. I don't know if we, it would come across the same way if it were a different subject matter, you know, for us. Yeah, well, I, I think that's the beauty of the show is that um, whenever, like, topics like, you know, the Chris Benoit situation or Owen Hart comes up, even amongst wrestling fans, there's kind of a, there's almost like a reactive cringe. Like, uh, yeah. maybe let's not go there. And specifically with, like, all the coverage that uh, Chris Benoit got, um there's a lot of finger pointing, a lot of uh, mm-hmm. sensational headlines. And so it's kind of a radioactive topic. And like even in the shop, we've brought up, hey, maybe we should do a woman's shirt. And it was kind of like, uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe not. Yeah. But 
the way you guys kind of threaded the needle and you know there's there's landmines all over some of these stories but um the care that you took and the angles and then also just having the people that knew and loved and uh worked with you know every subject on here um really kind of helped soften that blow and then opened it up for conversation like you see someone like chris chris jericho for instance he said this guy was my friend I want to mm-hmm. tell the story, and if you got a problem with it, you know, piss off, basically. So yeah. Um, but the the whole the whole way you colored every story and you did it tastefully and um, really Thank treated you. it with care, I think, resonated with a lot of the wrestling fans mm-hmm. and and kind of reopened the discussion for a lot of stuff that people just kind of closed the book on. You know, I thought the one thing was specifically like with Owen Hart, because there was always like, oh, he should be in the Hall of Fame. That you know, WWE mm-hmm. and yeah. Especially, I know with me, especially afterwards, it was very much like, oh no, like, right. Martha's been unfairly painted as this villain for so long because <laughs> people <laughs> didn't know the full story. And I yeah. get it, you know, and even afterwards, like, there's some WWE loyalists who it doesn't matter. You know, it, the story could have been Mincic Man strangled this man in front of his family and then stepped on their puppy, and they would still be like, but. You know, it's still, and they would find an excuse kind of to, to justify it. Uh, but I felt more so after this that there was more people who were kind of on the side of like, okay, let's find other ways to support Owen that aren't directly through WWE uh, because you know it's what his what his what his widow what his children want and yeah, it. So I I feel that especially help again with kind of what David was touching on the way it's told. It's not like a salacious you know this is Vince McMahon is is the devil and you got you know painted him in that light it's kind of just hey this company didn't take all the the steps they should have but let's celebrate his life more instead of just focusing on you know unfortunately everything that led up to to his final days yeah I mean you know for us like um you know in putting together a show uh that's called Dark Side of the Ring you know, the Owen Hart stories and the Chris Benoit story um, are just subjects that are unavoidable uh, in, in terms of covering if you're going to explore that side of wrestling. <clears throat> and But for us, it was always like, you know, ne- never wanting to uh, – like the Owen story we wouldn't have done if it weren't for Martha and, and her being involved in the, in the piece. There would have been no point. Um, and similarly for the Chris Benoit uh, story as well, like – without having access really to the inner circle uh, of that story, it, it just wouldn't have been worth doing. You need to have that personal point of view in order to to go there, I feel like. And both of those stories, although extremely difficult and extremely emotional, um, they both had kind of been, in different ways, in, in varying ways, been kind of swept under the rug or at least uh, become sort of a taboo subject in, in, in terms of the Chris Benoit story, especially. And then of course, like, as you mentioned with the Owen Hart story, there was this narrative about, uh, the hall of fame discussion where it kind of boils down to this, uh, conversation, uh, um, of that. And I think, uh, a lot of people not really knowing Martha's point of view on that story. Um, if you hadn't read her book, I mean, her book was really the only way that her side of the story, um, was out there. I just, it just hadn't been sort of, unless you were, you know, a a major hardcore fan and had been paying, you know, a lot of attention and reading a lot of pieces and articles and things, you would pretty much know the WWE dominated narrative on that story. So for us, it felt like both stories were 
ripe for rediscovery in terms of, you know, uh, with the Chris Benoit story, especially once we knew that this was a subject that uh, those that are involved in it, you know, really wanted to have a platform to talk about it um, because it had been something they had kept inside or there hadn't been an avenue for them to really express those those c- very complicated feelings. That's the thing I think that's so um that's that's so difficult with that story is that the it's not it's not a black or white type situation. There's a lot of gray area there in terms of, you know, here's the person I knew, the person I thought I knew. Um, and of course, you know, how does, uh, you know, Chris's son, David, uh, process this and um, and of course, Nancy's sister, Sandra, and how do they reconcile? And, and, and so it's, it's a very kind of difficult uh, thing, but at the same time, I think ignoring it and sweeping it under the rug isn't, uh, you know, pr- a very productive thing to do either. I think there's, there's consequences in that. So I think for us, it was just like, you know, if we're going to go there with the story, we want to try and find purpose and meaning, uh, into bringing up that again. Um, and then again, for the Owen story, it was just that, you know, predominant narrative just being that, you know, Martha kind of being, there's so much, you know, venom for Martha, um, for not allowing the WWE, a company she holds responsible for her husband's death. Um, to honor him. And so for us, it was kind of like, this was the perfect opportunity to kind of show people a holy, like a completely different perspective on this story. Um, and I think that people, you know, who are now having the chance to see this are, are really kind of seeing it in a different light. And that's, you know, is exactly what we sort of set out to try and do not necessarily change the way you feel, but just kind of bring, you know, another perspective into the, into the mix. Well, I know for me personally, especially, uh, specifically with, uh, Owen and Martha, um, you know, I would I would consider myself a pretty big wrestling fan, and I knew most of the facts of the case. But even even so, um, mm-hmm. in the back of my head, Martha Hart was always kind of colored with she's bitter, which is understandable. Yeah. You know, if you're if you're sure. using that line of thinking, she's bitter and she's going to do whatever she can, even at uh, even at the harm of Owen's legacy. That, that's, I think, what a lot of wrestling fans felt. Um, and even with the book out there, if you have that thought and you read it, you're, you're coloring the whole, you know, story with that. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so seeing her, like, actually talk on video and seeing uh, her son talk, and then, like, you see, yeah. actually, there, it's not really bitterness. It's, it's She's looking for justice, really. Um, yes. I think really goes closure and yeah, yeah. It, it humanizes her in a way that maybe the overall narrative could never do, especially when people are like, let's just not talk about this, you know? Totally. And, and I, and I can relate to that too. I mean, uh, up until about mid last year, um, you know, which is the 20 last year was the 20th anniversary of his passing. And, um, uh, around that time, uh, there was a ton of guys, and you actually you you brought up uh, John Pollock uh, earlier, and the radio documentary piece that 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 he did uh, about Owen's death uh, last year, which is uh, which which was a huge eye opener for me because up until that point in time, uh, similar to you, I mean, I was just a big wrestling fan. You know, we had done season one. Obviously, the the idea of doing an Owen Hart episode in the future was always something we talked about. But 
I never really knew how or why or how we'd approach it and for what reason, uh, mainly because my understanding at the time, like I knew some of the facts of the case, but I still kind of looked at it as more like in a freak accident thing, you know? Um, and I didn't quite know the full extent of the details, even up until about around last year. And so after seeing or after hearing, you know, um, Pollock's radio documentary and some of the other uh, articles that were coming out around the 20th anniversary, that's when I really started to be like, whoa, where, how come this information isn't really part of the public consciousness? And the other thing about, you know, I think uh, Martha's, you know, sort of alleged, you know, suppressing of Owen's legacy thing. One thing I never really understood until recently when we started doing the T-shirts, for example, uh, with 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 you guys, is um, that you know, I mean, obviously Owen is is in a lot of other wrestling Hall of Fames that aren't the WWE's, and she has taken steps to do that over the years. Um, but the other thing is that probably up until recently, within the last five years, maybe or so. There hasn't been a lot of avenues to really uh, create Owen Hart merchandise that isn't somehow in conflict or isn't somehow uh, tied directly to WWE. You know, for so many years, uh, especially after the purchase of WCW, WWE has pretty much monopolized wrestling, uh, even on the merchandising front. So, like, you know, most of the action figures. They were the ones that were producing them, unless you're talking about a really small run independent thing, or uh, most of the merchandise that could have that could have gotten in stores or other places. Like there wasn't really a pro wrestling tease, you know, at that point in time or any of those things. So the avenues to really kind of service the fans with merchandise without that kind of WWE conflict just never really, uh, you know, which was a hard and fast you know principle that she had and still has to this day. But that really wasn't there up until more recently. So I think now with this kind of story coming out and that there being other places that, you know, there can be Owen merchandise and can be ways to celebrate Owen, um, I think is you're just going to start seeing a lot more of that, I would hope, you know? Yeah, I think that's one of the one of the positives with we pro wrestling teams. Obviously, our workers, so I would speak positively about them. But uh, even kind of just looking at it from the outside, uh, it... Like I know firsthand just how much Owen Hart shirts we've sold. You know, it's for a while. Yeah. For a while, <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. just all Owen Hart's. Like I would uh, on again, off <laughs> again, print, and I know for the most part, like uh, little uh, behind the scenes. You know, we if you're a printer, you get this giant stack of shirts daily that you know you just go through and print, and they have a whole system. You know, you scan an invoice, pulls up the image, and it got to the point where you didn't even have to scan anything because it was just all Owen Hart. You know, you'd have two designs open. Is it this one or that one? And it was awesome. It was awesome seeing that that many people who were yeah. just deprived of Owen merch were able to yes. support it. And it's going to like a good cause as well. You know, it's not Definitely. just, it's, I think that I, that's also like an, an enticing thing to be like, Oh cool. I get to support my favorite wrestler as well as this money is going to something good as opposed to, you know, if you, purchase like a, a wwe shop shirt i don't necessarily think uh pro, you know, proceeds are being donated to help anyone but you know uh the powers that be um but you, you speak about how you're a big fan of owen hart would you consider the owen hart episode your your white whale of sorts or is there still an episode you know a subject matter that you feel is your white whale <laughs> 
Um, well, I mean, th- th- there are definitely stories that I, I definitely want to explore uh, moving forward. Um, but uh, <clears throat> and, and some of those, you know, I'm sure, uh, you know, as we as there are more episodes of Dark Side of the Ring that eventually get made, you'll you'll know, you, you know, you'll come to know those. We're kind of keeping them to our chest at the moment just because we want to give, you know, family members and, and, uh, people involved in the story that, that first chance to, you know, to know if we want to do it rather than reading it somewhere. But, um, the, uh, the Owen episode was a very important, important one to me personally, um, in terms of trying to put it together and wanting to do it right and wanting to get it to be really authentic with Martha's involvement. Yeah. That was a one that, you know, we put a lot of work into and also um, just, just forging the relationship with Martha was something that was really important to me and was so happy that that was able to happen and everything kind of came together in the right way on that. Um, but also I do go back to the Bruiser Brody episode and, you know, being that the very first one that we ever did, I mean, you know, um, it's kind of the, it's kind of the, the whole thing that started it all. And if if uh, if none of the people involved in that story believed in us and gave us that chance to tell that story, um, even though we had no proven track record or no nothing to point to in the in the wrestling world, um, you know, then none of it probably would have happened. So for me, that was always kind of like probably the most important. And it's like, yeah, the first and last episodes we did. So it's kind of cool in that way. Like going forward, obviously the whole show touches like really sensitive subjects or maybe some sore spots in wrestling history. Um, yeah. How hard is it to approach, you know, friends, family, um, co-workers about things like, you know, like Jimmy Snuka or, you know, the Chris Benoit or something like that? Mm-hmm. Um, is it is it difficult to approach them? And do, do you get any pushback or skepticism? Like, I know, you know, for the Owen Hart uh, episode, you know, you can't get most of the Hart family to talk about it. Um, but, you know, it's it's clearly a sensitive subject. And, and sometimes... You know, like we've seen with a couple things, they just want to like leave the skeletons in the closet and let's not touch it. But like, how difficult is, is it breaching the subject to people involved? Uh, it's it's definitely the, um, it's definitely the hardest aspect of making the show um, because <clears throat> it's the thing that you ultimately can't control and you shouldn't. Obviously, um, you know, it, it's the type of thing that you know, <clears throat> and, and obviously that there are stories that just aren't you know, that, that, that don't contain that level of, um, difficulty we'll say to Mm -hmm. them. There are some stories that don't. Um, but in terms of, it's a balancing act of like, you know, you want to make sure that, you know, you don't pressure the person into, uh, telling the story, but at the same time, you know, that, you know, this story just, you know, requires their, their, that specific person's participation, um, in, or, or else maybe it's not worth doing because it's not that personal, it's not going to have that right. personal attachment to it. Um, so for us, we, we just put a lot of stock in the importance of that. And we, we do go to great lengths, um, in order to forge mean, you know, meaningful relationships with a lot of the people that we put in the show. Um, there's been several times where, <clears throat> you know, um, I've, I've traveled, uh, without cameras or crew, just to meet and just to, you know, spend time with a lot of the folks that are in our show. For example, uh, Martha Hart, you know, I flew out to Calgary just to spend a day with her and Oge and just, you know, get to know one another and, 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 you know, see if we were a fit for this project going forward. And, 
Um, similarly, in season one with uh, um, with um, Gina Hernandez's family, I went out to uh, Austin, Texas, just for basically a day, just to meet and interact with the family, and so like you know they could kind of. Uh, just see where we're coming from and all that stuff. So, you know, that's the most important part of the show. It's the most important aspect of the show is 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 the access and forging those relationships and uh, earning trust, building trust, and um, it, you know, in order to do the show. Otherwise, you know, it's it's you know, everything else you can do quite easily in terms of just you know. Getting a studio put together, shooting some reenactments, getting some lookalikes, <laughs> composing it, editing it, and stuff like that. But you know, when it comes to access, it's just the thing that's the that is the hardest. Well, like on the flip side of that, you know, wrestlers are known to be performative and they tell stories. And like the weird irony of it is, you know, the whole business is built or used to be built on kayfabe and secrets. And yeah. then, um, but there's also you have to talk to these people that have, you know. They've been professional carnies, you know, half their life, and sometimes wrestlers sure. can tell yarns, and you can tell it's complete BS. But it's a story yeah. that they've told so many times, and they they believe it. Um, yeah. How many times <laughs> do you have to? How many times do you have to weed that out, kind of, you know, versus being authentic, or you know, maybe getting a sensational story that might not be so true. Yeah, like what's it like? Kind uh, of like I I can only imagine, and like as I watch, for instance, like the New Jack episode. And like I've seen a lot of new, you know, of New Jack yeah. speaking, so it, like I can only imagine how much unaired footage that you guys have of him, sort of telling, you know, these stories that tall tales, these tall, these yeah, these yeah. tall tales that like may or may not be true. Um, so, so you know, what is that like for you guys when you kind of have to sit there and like hearing something that you kind of know it's like all right come on like this clearly didn't happen this way but you have to just like oh okay um i mean it's definitely uh excuse me it's definitely an occurrence uh that happens from time to time especially when you get like a disparity on stories between two people in the same episode um you know but one of the things that really inspired us to make the show in the first place was shoot interviews, right? Um, shoot, shoot interviews on, on, on YouTube were the thing that Jason and I uh, would, would pass around a lot, watch and share and, and get obsessed with. And of course, you know, we bought tons of them on DVD and just got really into this idea because the interviews were so strong. You know, these, these guys, they are characters, they are you know, carnies, as you say, (laughs) and sometimes they're embellishing, but they're incredible storytellers, you know? And we always knew, even if something wasn't true uh, necessarily, it's like this kind of meta weird other layer of truth that you have, uh, that it's sometimes truth that these people believe, you know? And so for us, it was always kind of this thing that we really wanted to lean into with our show is we really always wanted to lean into not just presenting like facts and, you know, I mean, of course, there are facts you have to present by nature of being a documentary, but there's also this gray area of, you know, looking at just kind of – and I think our David Schultz episode is kind of uh, where, where we really lean into that maybe the most in terms of just like, you know, 
this idea of kayfabe, but also like, you know, separating fact from fiction and, and, you know, in, in wrestling fantasy and real life. And, and so that's something we always try and lean into. And it's something that we did in the very first episode for the the Brody episode, when, you know, you have Abdul the butcher and Tony Atlas who are retelling a story, but then there's a moment in which everyone's story starts to not sort of add up. And it's like, it kind of throws into question everything. And that was something rather than, being able to definitively answer that, we wanted to leave it open, you know, for interpretation because we love that. We love when documentaries and things kind of leave the viewer at a crossroads and you kind of have to fill the blanks. And that was kind of another thing that we really wanted to do with the show is like with the way we do reenactments is it's there's a lot left there for the viewer to kind of interpret and put their own uh, – you know, use their own memories and minds to kind of fill in the blanks. And uh, so, yeah, that was just kind of a thing that we always try and lean into. But, I mean – there are times where, you know, we're we're editing something and, you know, there's there are choices we have to make or there are legal conversations that come up where, you know, if someone says something and it's not you, – you can't corroborate it. Like if it's like a major allegation or it's a major statement, you know, uh, you, you do have to corroborate certain things, especially depending on how severe the, <laughs> the statement is. Um, but for the most part, you know, we do either – you know, do our due diligence to corroborate that information, or sometimes we lean into it because it is such a facet of the wrestling world. You know, it's part of this world is the idea of being worked and, you know, and also, you know, your character kind of taking over your personality. So we, we do leave those aspects in. Well, there's a clear difference between I was there, I saw that guy stab him 25 times, or yeah, we were in a bar fight and we, we, we beat up 45 sailors and we all drink yes. beers. All day. there's a clear difference in in tone when it comes to that. Yes, stuff. Um, totally. But I mean, you mentioned uh, the reenactments, and I think that's one of the strongest things that like people constantly comment on. It's like, wow, that that silhouette really looked like Chris Benoit, or that's a really good Hulk Hogan. Yeah, like you, you speak of shoot interviews, and I know a friend of the show, Marty DeRosa, a big shoot interview fan. I remember having a conversation with him um, because I I, uh-huh. I believe. He's he's friends with some of the wrestlers who did the reenactments. So like talking with him, you know, like I know specifically like the road uh, the Road Warriors episode, and he was like, I remember. Yeah. He's like, that looks just like when I saw it in person, and that is one of like the cooler <laughs> oh, things. Cool. You know, like you watch yeah, these back, that. and you're just like, oh, oh yeah. Like even specifically with uh, uh, like the Benoit episode, where it's just like, oh yeah, like that 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 looks legit. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, you know, you you, you kind of mentioned, um, like obviously you're you're a wrestling fan, and even throughout all this, you know, you you mentioned you've still been a wrestling fan. Um, at what point does wrestling come into your life? Because again, like I I, I follow you on on social media and stuff, so obviously, mm-hmm. like you know, um, I I can tell you've been a fan for a while. But uh, at what point does wrestling come into come into your life? Um, so yeah, wrestling for me, uh, came into my life, obviously in different stages, but the, but like different, you know, as it kind of does with a lot of fans, okay. You kind of weave in and out of it over the, over, over the years. Um, for me, it started when I was five years old, uh, when, uh, my, I think it was my mom got bought me. I was really into like GI Joe stuff and I was really into like, um, I don't know, like cop things cop oriented things police oriented figures and things and uh uh she bought me a big boss man 
uh, Hasbro figure. Uh, and that was kind of my gateway drug into wrestling and kind of figuring out like what, where does this big boss man character originate from? And then from there, I think the following year, uh, my stepdad took me to, uh, to a, I would imagine some sort of, um, road to WrestleMania house show. Uh, I think it was WrestleMania seven. I think the one, the one with Sergeant Sl- or is that eight? I think, yeah, it was Sergeant Slaughter, um, versus Hogan. And I, I went to the kind of house show leading up to that, where I basically showed up there as a Sergeant Slaughter fan because I was a GI Joe fan and uh, and and my parents uh, were shocked um, <laughs> to see that they had taken this character and they had turned him into like an Iraqi sympathizer, which went way over my head as a kid, obviously. Um, and so, you know, I, here I am cheering for Sergeant Slaughter <laughs> and booing booing this this Hulk Hogan guy who I have no idea who the hell he is. And uh, Hogan just beat the crap out of Sergeant Slaughter in some spot they did. And I was—I actually left the venue crying, and my my parents were very concerned because I was not picking up that they were trying to make Sergeant Slaughter this this heel character. So people were just like, "Why is this kid crying over Sergeant Slaughter?" So that was kind of like my my starting point for wrestling. Um, and then, of course, I I got into Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior and all that stuff, and you know, um, and Jake the Snake and all and Million Dollar Man. And then I had all the action figures, all the Hasbro's, and then and then. I would say probably by like the mid '90s when wrestling started to change, I, I I got I got out of it a little bit, and then uh, wrestling came back into my life again really strong during the Attitude Era, like '98. I would say the top of like end of '97, top of '98, like with everybody else in the world, and um, yeah, and then I just became really obsessed and uh, was super into both companies. Was really into WCW for NWO reasons, and I and I actually grew up in Minneapolis, so. Uh, Nitro came through quite frequently, um, so I got to see a lot of Nitros. Um, and then, of course, as soon as you know, by late '98, when you know Steve Austin was everywhere, uh, I, I really started to, to, to turn into a dedicated WWF fan, and and then probably walked away, I think, from wrestling around again the same time that everybody kind of did is when Steve Austin turned heel, um, and then after that. Uh, yeah, it just kind of faded away from me for a little bit um, until many years later when I went through my nostalgia wrestling phase. You know, everyone's got that. So then I, you know, then I started to get back into the things that I liked when I was a kid and bought toys again and got back into wrestling, but always kind of was more just like a fan of the stuff that I liked when I was a kid. Um, and then that led to, you know, 2000, probably 14 ish is when we started really getting into Jason and I started really getting into shoot interviews and, and things like that. Oh, and I forgot to mention too, uh, during the attitude era, I was a huge ECW fan. Um, I had, I had discovered ECW late night on television, like on a scrambled channel and ECW rocked my world. And then they were definitely my favorite faction. And I was a huge follower and supporter of ECW until, uh, the day that it all got shut down. Um, but yeah, so then around jumping back to 2014, that's when we kind of got back into wrestling, shoot interviews, got obsessed, got really obsessed with Bruiser Brody, and then that just led us to, you know, making the show, which, which was a which was an uphill climb in and of itself. How how has the reception been around the offices at Vice uh, around the uh, the success of the show? Oh, it's been 
it's been <laughs> it's been it's been interesting to see. I mean, you know, I don't think Vice ever uh, ever uh, thought that they would be you know would have a would have a a market share in the wrestling business. <laughs> Uh, I don't think they ever thought that. Um, I think that even, you know, along the way when we were trying to get the show greenlit and pitching it and trying to get it off the ground, I think that, you know, it was, there's a lot of skepticism around, you know, just the idea of wrestling being a part of their brand. And so, you know, I think it was a constant evolution, you know, um, it was really hard to get the show made and then it was really hard to, uh, every step of the way was kind of like, you know, we had to really sell the show really hard. Um, after we made the pilot, you know, we had to go back and we had to really sell it to get it through to do a full series. And then even after we made season one, we had to go back to really fight hard to get it actually on the air. So I think it was like, um, it's interesting. Like, it's just interesting to see the evolution of going to like, oh, sorry, I got New York City outside my window here. Um, <clears throat> but like, it was really hard to go, to, you know, from, um, them kind of being skeptical to now, like, you know, investing in, you know, uh, a larger season two and an after series and all these other things that the, it's just kind of funny. I, I chuckle cause it's like something they never would have done, uh, in, in the beginning, but it's, it's, it's cool to see now that they've embraced it fully. Well, it, it's definitely hard. Like as wrestling fans, I'm sure most wrestling fans will know when you talk to someone that's not a wrestling fan and you bring it up, they kind of yes. roll their eyes and like, I don't know about that. Isn't that that fake stuff? But like, Almost all of entertainment TV's fake stuff, you know. Well, it's also yeah, yeah, yeah. It's also being known as the wrestling person. Yeah, like it's probably the same with you with us. <laughs> That's true. Lot, yeah, like surprisingly at pro wrestling tees, you don't have all of the wrestling fans that work there. You know, there's enough people that wow. work there that do follow pro wrestling, like pro wrestling. That's amazing. But especially a lot more of like because we have one hour tees and pro wrestling tees, so a lot of like the one hour tee people. It's just, oh sure like. They don't get it. Yeah, like people come in to visit like either the retail store or just like look and they're just like, What huh? does uh does, yeah. does Cole Cabana come by here all the time? And they're like, Yeah, I think she was here like Wednesday. Like, really? What's that like? And you kind of just have this I, I get it. That's it's fine. unfamiliar where they're like, um I, yeah, I, I guess it was okay, it was fine. More so like whenever we would have events, uh specifically like all in and all out weekend, both of those, it was just we had no idea that the sheer volume of people that were going to come in yeah. and out through the store. Oh yeah. And totally. you have all these people just in and out. And it was kind of like a realization of everyone who works there that doesn't necessarily follow wrestling of just like, huh? Yeah. So this is, yeah, this is an actual yeah. thing that not just, you know, all, all like the, oh, yeah. the little nerds in the office follow. But I mean, you mentioned <laughs> with vice had no idea that like wrestling was such a big thing. It's got to be a little bit rewarding now that you're just like, yeah, see, it paid off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was kind of like that, you know, uh, that moment in uh, where like, because I actually worked for Vice for years before the show uh, started. I, I worked with them starting in 2013. Um, so it's funny to, to go from like, you know, trying to get people's attention to like really hard to like after the show, like when the, when season one was successful, then walking in the office and then everyone acknowledging you, you know, <laughs> as you walk in the door is this really kind of just, it's, it's hilarious, you know? Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's been, it's been vindicating in that way, but you know, uh, but it's also good just now with their partnership, you know, that they fully, like I said, fully embrace the show and, um, you know, and that's, that's, that's good. And, and, and I do think that, you know, 
Jason and I have tried to do a lot of wrestling-related projects and with other companies, way even before uh, Dark Side of the Ring. And just the stigma that the entertainment industry has towards wrestling is very real. Um, it's something that you know a lot of Hollywood. You know, or or the gatekeepers of of television and documentary and and scripted worlds. It's not something that they totally get. You know, it's it's still very lowbrow and it's still very um, stigmatized in that way. And so something that we because we, we originally wanted to make a scripted series about wrestling. That was the the original dream of ours. Still is, and. Uh, and so the, the idea of doing dark side of the ring was literally what we wanted to do to prove to people that, that the, that the storytelling within this world is extremely rich and, and, uh, appealing to people who aren't fans. Um, and that's kind of the biggest, uh, thing for us that's been vindicating, uh, I, I'd say out of anything is we knew wrestling fans would tune in for this and, and, and be into it. But really, if we could capture people who aren't wrestling fans to watch this and to be, uh, you know, engrossed by these stories is really what we wanted to do. That was our mission. And so that's why every episode we do, we, we really try and leave it to be, uh, very, um, accessible to non-fans. And that's why sometimes we've done stories that, you know, wrestling fans are kind of like, Oh, do we need another Montreal screw job episode? Or do we need an or documentary or do we need another, you know, X, Y, and Z. But you know, that's, but there's a lot of people out there who don't know who Bret Hart even is, you know, and so to be able to kind of tell that story for people in the first time, you know, um, that's, that's, that's why we make the show. And that's, what's fun is to see the people who don't care about wrestling start to care about wrestling after the show. You mentioned wanting to do other non, you know, dark side of the ring wrestling projects. Is that something that you plan on exploring, um, like going forward? I mean, especially with the attention that you've gotten from dark side of the ring like i, I got to imagine that's something now that would be a little bit easier because not only do you have a do you have a resume of sorts to like hey look i did this but also it's like clearly you know there's other wrestling like i know myself i've always i've always wanted something you mentioned sort of like a, a scripted series like something yeah. similar to that because there's just there's so much story to tell you know you're essentially yeah. telling the story of like very minor league superheroes because that's who these people mm-hmm. are at the end of the day. You know, they have these weird code names and they put out these <laughs> extravagant outfits. Um, and like, I know, uh, with like glow was a little bit like that. Uh, but yeah, I feel kind of just, it's now more just like, Oh, it's about the characters not so much the wrestling, which is fine. But, um, you know, you, you, just, you mentioned the scripted series. So I wonder if there was anything, you know, that was something you plan on pursuing now that, you know, obviously there's, there's more attention on you, I guess is what I'm saying. Well, yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that's a dream of ours. Um, it's something that we've tossed around a lot, like, you know, and I know it's something that a lot of different people have tried to make as well over the years. And it's just, again, it's just, it's been a hard, you know, t- scripted series is one of the harder things you can try and get off the ground. Um, <clears throat> but you know, like we've always had the idea of like, you know, um, like a, a scripted series that's kind of like, you know, like like the Sopranos version of like the territories, you know, or something like that or a specific territory and like really getting into that, you know, and, and building that and making that into a show, whether it's just, you know, loosely based on a lot of people, um, which I do think which is like like the glow approach. 
But I do think there's a cool way to do that because, you know, it is tough to, you know, a lot of these guys are just so, so larger than life and it's really hard to like emulate them or to make them even pass some of these people. So if you could be inspired by a Bruiser Brody or inspired by a Ric Flair or something, you know, and make something cool, you could do that um, and still and still explore a lot of the real crazy, unbelievable stories that existed in that time. Um, and that's, yeah, something we would love to do someday. It's, it's something that we've definitely spent a lot of time thinking about and trying to put together, but it is, um, it is something I know even from a lot of like big names, uh, in the entertainment industry who've tried to make shows like this, it is not something that, uh, the entertainment world wants. It's still, even to this day, it's just, it's bizarre to me, even with glow and they, and they make, they make a lot of excuses, I think, for Glow's existence. I think Glow, they think, checks a lot of other boxes that don't have to, you know, you know, hinge upon wrestling. It's something different, you know, um, which whatever it is, wrestling still. So, you know, but it is something that we definitely want to do. Um, as we as we sort of wind down here, um, I I think you might have already touched on it, but what would you consider your the best episode that you guys have put out, and what would you consider your favorite? Um. <clears throat> I think probably the best episode we've made of the show is probably the Chris Benoit uh, two-parters um, because um, – mainly because we had the op- – I think – also Bruiser Brody is is up there too. But I think it's because we had the most time on both of those, on the, on the Benoit episodes and the Bruiser Brody episode, mainly because um, with Bruiser Brody, I mean we spent basically all of 2000 – I guess that would be 17. I'm hoping I'm getting my years right. I think it was, yeah. We you, we basically got all of 2017 to basically make it. you know. So we really had a lot of time to focus on that episode. And then with the Chris Benoit episode, um, it was something we actually originally looked at doing for season one, um, which I'm very thankful that we didn't because I don't think we were ready or had the street cred or anything to be able to tell that story. And so what we did is we started working on it during season one, and then in the gap between both seasons, we basically – we never knew we would get another season or if the show would be successful at all. We didn't anticipate that. But what we did want to do just in case it didn't work out is we actually wanted to develop the Chris Benoit story as a separate project where actually maybe it could have been its own documentary series with like a Netflix or an HBO, and maybe it could have just been a, its own thing. And so we had, we, had, we had been working and developing and researching that story for probably about six months before we even started working on it. So we had a lot of time to develop it and to develop the relationships uh, that we made, uh, which was all purely from Chavo Guerrero Jr. Chavo uh, someone we met during season one, and um, you know he was a big fan of our Bruiser Brody episode, which he got to see early on. And, um, and basically it was like, because he started to trust us and, 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 and want to work together with us, we were able to kind of, you know, meet folks like Chris Jericho and, you know, David Benoit and Sandra and those folks. And so, so, um, the point I'm getting at is basically because we basically had all that time to really focus on the research and the preparation and building relationships. I think it, it, it yielded the best, most effective result, um, uh, and the fact that it is, you know, a feature length piece, you know, I think too, is, is also another aspect of it. Um, so I think that's probably the best episode we've done. Um, again, if I go back to my favorite, um, oh, there's a couple, um, I, I've said it a million times, but 
Bruiser Brody might be my favorite just because, like I said, it was the first. Um, but also, I would have to put the Owen Hart episode in that mix. Um, the Gino Hernandez episode also is one of my favorites, mainly because it was uh, such a crazy experience making it um, in terms of essentially going into an episode without really knowing where the story was going at all. Most of the stories, you know, they've been chronicled in some other place and, you know, or they've been covered by other news sources or other books or like, you know, there's stories that, you know, you know, the end result of the story with the Gina Hernandez story. It was completely investigative from the top to the bottom. We, 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 we went into it not really knowing anything and uh, came out the other side with a very dizzying, crazy, bizarre, uh, story still with many question marks. Um, so that I think as an experience of making, I don't, I think that was my favorite experience making an episode is a Gino one. Uh, but I would say either it's tied. It's hard. Uh, Brody or Owen and, and, and Benoit, those are probably my, my, my favorites. I mean, it's hard to argue with the, (laughs) any one of those episodes. Um, but so every single one of our guests, there's there's two questions that we ask. Uh, sure. And for, first, I forget to mention earlier the story of you leaving. Uh, you know, your first house show just in tears. Just <laughs> I, it, it, it reminds me of the first house show that I went to. Uh, just in like the similar kind of similar. It was uh, like an Undertaker casket match against. It might have been Mark Henry. It might have been them. Like practicing <laughs> up before their like wrestlemania 22 one but i remember like my sister nice. and I, like my sister and i like he comes out and it's all like dark and ominous and we're just like oh dad can we like can we go uh, get some food or like buy some merch or something and him kind of just like oh okay you know and then like once all the the darkness and everything is gone that's when we're just like oh, okay we, we can go back to the match now because it's like a little <laughs> kid thing uh but the first is uh do you remember the first piece of wrestling merchandise um owning you know whether it was a toy you know someone gifted to you like a wrestling t-shirt uh you know your parents bought for you anything like that like i always go back to my i'm your poppy eddie guerrero t-shirt that uh, nice. to this day i own it's all old and raggedy but you know, that's, I'm never letting go of that thing. That's amazing. Well, like I said earlier, I mean, the, I would say the big boss man action figure has to be my first. Um, because like that was the, how I got into wrestling. Uh, I'm pretty sure that was the first piece I ever got when I was five years old. Um, but you know, a lot of other, um, action figures followed. I mean, several dozen action figures followed after that. I, I don't remember ever actually owning a T-shirt um, until – I don't think I had a shirt until the Attitude Era. And I'm trying to remember what my first – at like my first T-shirt would have been. Um, it's highly likely that my first shirt was either Austin 316 or an NWO shirt. It's highly likely it's one of the two. Very, very spot on for for someone <laughs> of that age at that time. Uh, and the second question being, uh, what is your, what would you consider your most like prized like wrestling thing that you own? You know, be it Good some sort question. of memorabilia or you know a figure that that means a lot to you, anything like that. Just look behind me because they're all they're all behind me. Um, can I have more than one? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. Um just looking here i'm just assessing the collection behind me here uh 
God, I'm sure there's things that I have that are like in boxes, but um, I think my favorite thing that I have uh, memorabilia-wise is um, it was gifted to me um, when we were shooting the Herb Abrams episode is probably my UWF turnbuckle. I have a turnbuckle from <laughs> the original UWF ring, mm-hmm. um, which I, you know, for many, 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 many reasons is radical. Um, so that just being able to have that is pretty cool. Um, action figure wise, um, I have um, the the Road Warriors with Paul Ellering AWA uh, oh, figures uh, mint on card, and I think uh, that. Is probably my favorite looking action figure, special to me. Um, and I don't know that that that's probably it. I'm see the thing is I'm sure that there's like something cool that I have that like you know from a relic from being on the road that someone's given to us. There are things that people have given to us which are crazy, um, you know. Uh, and I'm sure I have some of those some of those things. I'm just that's slipping my mind. Um, like I know for example, there's like a couple. Uh, weekly gong Japanese wrestling magazines that, um, you know, were owned by Bruiser Brody. I mean, they were his that he had, you know, from, uh, that he, that he bought or got gifted when he was over in Japan that featured him on the cover or so. And, and Barbara gave us a few of those and that's just cool, you know, to have something that Brody possessed at one point. Um, Oh, sorry. I have a huge one. I'm sorry. I have a huge one. I missed the last one. I'll say is I also have hanging in my office here is I if you if you remember the Bruiser Brody episode at the end of the episode, um, uh, Tony Atlas draws the that portrait of uh, of, of Brody. I have that that portrait uh, oh, that he draws sweet. from the episode, in the episode, which is a kind of a dark side of the ring memorabilia. So, th- th- those are kind of my big ones. That the whole shit, yeah. That, I'm like that is pretty. <laughs> it is a pretty nice piece to own. Um, well, Evan, thank you for taking the time, you know, out of, out of your day to to speak with us. Um, of course. Wh- where can people find you online? Yeah, um, you can find us. Uh, the you, you can find the show um, at Dark Side of Ring on Twitter and Dark Side of the Ring on Instagram, and then you can find me personally um, on Twitter and Instagram at Evan Husney. Um, and yeah, you can get at us or, you know, suggest any episodes or, you know, ask us any questions or whatever, DM us there. Oh, before we go, two things, um, marvelous Matt Nix, uh, wrestler and he works at the pro wrestling tea store specifically said to tell you hi and that he loves the show. So I'd be, uh, Oh, awesome. I'd be a bad friend if I didn't do that. Um, and also (laughs) we heard the soundtrack is coming out pretty soon for dark side of the ring. Yes. Oh yes. Thank you for reminding me. Um, yeah, the Dark Side of the Ring soundtrack, uh, which is uh, so amazing this is actually happening. It's been a dream of ours to have the music from the show be released. Um, the The music in the series is all composed uh, by, by two guys. Um, they've done, God, probably... I think 160 different tracks for the for the whole show so far. So a lot of work they've done. Um, uh, it's uh, Andrew Gordon McPherson and Wade McNeil, two great friends of ours, and they've worked with us and worked harder than almost anybody um, in putting that together. And uh, Waxworks Records um, is going to be releasing the soundtrack on vinyl. It's a it's a it's a double vinyl set that is coming out. It's beautiful. They did an incredible job on the packaging. It's like. 
it's like uh, it's a really cool like you know bl- blue and green like vinyl, and um, and uh, it's like kind of an assemblage of the best tracks of from the series. And then they've also released that digitally, which you can listen to right now on iTunes and Spotify. Um, and so you can jam it, you know, when you're working out or when you're working at the t-shirt shop or whatever, you know. Uh, but yeah, definitely, definitely look out for that. You can pre-order the vinyl um, at waxworksrecords.com, and then you can stream it pretty much anywhere you stream music. Awesome. I'm definitely gonna have to get on uh, Twitter right now to uh, start tweeting at the Dark Side of the Ring account to put out some more Eddie because. I can never get enough of uh, Eddie Guerrero. <laughs> but uh, thank you, Evan, uh, oh, so much. You. And uh, we look forward to speaking with you again sometime. Yeah, that'd be great. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you again to Evan Husney for that interview. I love the idea uh, <laughs> of his parents not understanding why their 10-year-old son <laughs> is cheering for the Iranian sympathizer in the Star Trek yeah. slaughter. It was just, it's such like a, a, a parent thing, you know, such like a mom and dad thing to like, they don't understand why, you know, why this is going on. Like I remember going to, to wrestling with my dad and he would always like, he was a fan of Kurt Angle and he was like, why is everyone booing him? He's like, he's, he's a gold, he's an Olympic gold medalist. Legit an american hero yeah he's like why is everyone booing and i'm like oh because he's kind of a dick teddy girl and you know this this and that and he's like yeah i get, I get it but like you know he's like he's, he's a hero and i'm like yeah uh it's always funny seeing wrestling within the context of like parents or teachers just uh those those who don't want necessarily watch wrestling uh but again i, I hope that people who who come out of dark side of the ring have a different appreciation for wrestling. It very much, I very much understood, you know, where he was just like, oh, f- wrestling fans are like, oh, another dark, another episode on um, the Montreal screw job or things that we're familiar with. But at the same time, not every lot of people that are. Yeah, yeah. I I've heard that story. It's been told to me to death. But my mom doesn't but know also, anything. He, he put a nice new twist on it. One. Um, and it's not, it's not really the same old story. I mean, they, they really did come at it from, you know, different angles and, uh, I don't know. I'm really excited. He said he's got a bunch of new ones up his sleeve, uh, that he's planning for episode three. I, I mean, this, this season was great. Next season is going to be awesome. I hope there's more Eddie. It's, it's like I told him, I hope yeah. there's more Eddie. I I very much appreciated how much Eddie we got in the Benoit episodes, but I just, you know, I'm an Eddie Guerrero guy, so the more Eddie, well, and then the better. Seeing all the context from Vicky too, you know, oh, broke, broke and that, my that's heart. also, yeah, and that, that's also the real key thing for this is like you're getting the people, you know, you, you're not having some random discussion with talking heads. You're getting the people that were the closest to the people involved in these stories, and you know, their story becomes your story. You feel their emotion, and and. Uh, you know, like even in our interview when we had with Vicky, she she talked candidly about her relationship with Eddie Guerrero, and it's like you just don't get that stuff from outside sources, you know. Mm-hmm. So it yeah. was uh, good. also uh, one of my favorite things about every episode is when we ask people what their favorite piece of merch is. This guy's got some some merch. Yeah, <laughs> it was funny that he was like thinking about it because maybe a day, or, like I mentioned to him, I follow him on social media, and maybe a day or two yeah. prior to our interview, he posted some of his collection and i was just like whoa like 
That's and it's a, so vast. Mm-hmm. He, he's like, hold on, let me turn around and look at the wall. Hmm, What's, which one is my favorite? <laughs> it's always funny, too, because I don't think that, like, that's something that not a lot of people consider. You know, yeah. like gun to your head. What is your most prized possession? And you're just like, uh, you know, I, I funny enough, I had uh, one of the new guys at the shop, Juan, asked me that the other day. He just came up to me. He's like, what's your most prized possession in the world? And I was like, oh, what's well, my Winnie the Pooh doll that I stole from my sister as a one year old. And he wears a, a blue knitted sweater that my mom made for him that I also had the same sweater. And he was just like, oh, OK. He goes, I didn't expect that. And then just like walked away. Strange guy, but yeah, um, yeah, very, very fun interview with Evan. I, I hope to have him on again. You know, maybe sure. if and when season three comes out, definitely, definitely have to get him back on. Uh, but another thing we got to get going back on is this T-shirt contest. We're bringing it back. We used to do it a lot back People in the day. People have been requesting it. People have been yeah. requesting it. Very simple. Uh, head over to Twitter at uh, PWTCast. Follow us. This week's episode will be the pinned tweet. Like it retweet it that's it make sure you're following us like it retweet it that simple and it's any t-shirt that we sell on pro wrestling tees including and don't tell ryan but in-store exclusives yep so if you see any of those chicago colorway t-shirts that unfortunately you know you live in louisiana or oregon and you can't make it to the shop but you really want an lij chicago way shirt or a bullet club chicago way shirt where are you guys if you're one of those guys if you're one of those guys getting your friends up saying, hey, are you going to the shop? Pick me up three of these shirts. Uh, don't worry about it. We got you. Just uh, just hit up this contest and uh, you can win one. So, Man. Hey, speaking of people coming to the shop, we had friend of the show Clifford Frazier stop by earlier in the week. Uh, lo- love seeing Clifford. He had his autograph he had on a- his stupid Michael t-shirt. Yeah, and I, and stupid me, he he handed me like a green penny. Like he's like autograph it, and I I made the tiniest autograph on one single letter, and he's like, "Come on, man, you can do better than that." And I was like, "I didn't think the green would show up, so we got a silver pen, and we all autographed it." Oh yeah, I was uh, like, "Where do you want?" He's like, "As big as you want, anywhere you want." I'm like, "Fantastic, you don't got to tell me twice." Uh, so shout out Clifford Fraser. Uh, lovely seeing him. Uh, another lovely thing that we have to get Clifford Fraser to do for us one of these week uh, is our favorite segment. Uh, friend of the show, Kevin Aldridge, composed this beautiful song for us, uh, much like Sarah Joy Shockey and uh, Braden Harrington, uh, collectively from Marty and Sarah Love Wrestling and the Up Next podcast, composed our intro for us. We have a lot of really awesome friends who make a lot of awesome music for us. Um, but Kevin Aldridge composed this wonderful theme for a uh, segment that here we love uh, to call Fan of the Week. For those of you unaware, we get beautifully worded emails uh, almost daily. And uh, whether it's Maggie or Julio that uh, get the get the privilege of having to sift through them, uh, it's very fun to, to read them out loud, to share them with you guys. Uh, and we got a very special guest this week. Uh, friend of the show, Dave Lasso, is going to read this week's fan of the week, and I'm pretty excited for you guys to hear it. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and get to this week's fan of the week. Discrump and stank, I'm riding today to be the fan of the week. Your services suck, my order is fucked. Place this morning, I'm free. I hope it keeps you awake. You ain't ever getting Omaha steaks. Sign your fan of the week. Have a nice day. 
This is Dave Lasso with uh, Fan of the Week uh, from Wendy from Parts Unknown. If you want to know what is on my mind is this, I wish that the people would quit spreading rumors about The Undertaker because I, Wendy, am The Undertaker's number one fan of his, okay? Well, Wendy, uh, I have a rumor for you, and The Undertaker's a hoe. <laughs> have a nice day. Thank you again to Dirty Dave Lasso for that. Um, boy's going to cook me up some steaks. As, as soon as I'm oh. done with this, I'm, I'm so excited. Yeah, he's fortunately he's moving, but uh, we're going to get him on the podcast before he moves because he used to work here with us at uh, Pro Wrestling Tees, and dude, dude's got such an interesting story. So I'm excited. And for- also, if you go to freelance wrestling shows, which we haven't been able to go to for a while, and you went outside and you were hungry – he was chefing up some gourmet hot dogs for everyone and like just being out there in the cold and then seeing wrestling fans that don't know each other just gather around, you know, over the shared hot dog experience outside of Boogie Dogs. Uh, it's a great thing. And so, I mean, he'll be missed for sure. But I, I think, didn't he say that they were doing, they were going to keep the stand there somehow? His, yes. So, if I, if I'm to believe uh, correctly, one of his buddies will still be kind of running things for him. So once wrestling starts happening again safely, uh, you can expect Boogie Dogs to be outside of the Logan Square Auditorium uh, to get all your hot dog needs. I'm going to miss those chili dogs of his, though, because I would eat my weight in those chili dogs, those chili kidmins. So good. Uh, But just as good as those chili kidmins is uh, next week's episode. Uh, For for those of you unaware, episode 100 will be... When me, when me and Dave came to, to Ryan Bargain, owner of Pro Wrestling Tees, CEO, uh, with the idea of this podcast, he had three requests. Is one, don't ask him for money. Two, don't ask him to ask wrestlers to be on the show. And three, uh, don't ask him to be on. So, of course, we immediately advertised him for episode 100. Yeah. Uh, so, you know. and f- He has to do it. Not, yeah, so now he has to do it. So, if by my birthday next year i believe is when we will have him on for episode 100 and you know we've had his wife on prior uh his brother sean barkin you know big fan of the show listens all the time he's a doctor so he's kind of busy so he doesn't have time to come on uh his brother nick doesn't listen at all so i wasn't gonna ask him and so you and i kind of scratched our heads and we're like well we know two particular barkins that would uh, that are excellent storytellers and have tons of yes. fun stories about Ryan. Uh, so next week we'll have Gail and Ricky Barkin, Ryan's parents on. Uh, if that's you, Ricky with an I. That's Ricky with an I. <laughs> if any of you guys follow us via the um, Pro Wrestling Tees VIP group, you're very familiar with Rick. Uh, if you've come to the store for signings, uh, events, anything like that, you've, you've run into Rick. He's older, heavier version of Ryan, if, if you see him. You know, A lot uh, more leathery. Yes, he looks like he's about to wrestle on pay-per-view. Yeah. But we're going to have them on. If you have any questions that you guys want us to ask them, uh, send them on into scrump at pwtcast.com. You know, just send it there, subject uh, questions. It's fine. We'll we'll read it. We don't get that much mail there anyway. So I'll get it there. Uh, And we'll make a post in the Pro Wrestling Tees VIP Facebook group as well. If you're not part of the Facebook group, uh, go ahead and send this friend request. You know, we'd love more people in the group. It's a, it's a very fun community of people. Uh, you know, we have 
a, a lot of people becoming friends through that. It's really awesome. So yeah, it's it's gonna be a bigger episode where we're very excited for it. We're we're gonna record with them later this week. So just try sending them in before Thursday. Again, that's scrump at pwtcast.com, uh, as well as you know, if you want to just shoot the questions over to us via social media, that works fine as well. We'll try to get to all the questions that we can. And yeah, very excited about it, Dave. Yeah, it should be uh, a pretty funny episode. We're gonna we're gonna ask pointed questions, and we're gonna get down to the subjects that you want to know about about Rick. Uh, well, no, not about Rick, about Ryan. So. You know what? Fun, funny enough, uh, I've I had mentioned to Gail. I was like, "Hey, yeah, we're gonna do this." I was like, "If you have any funny any funny Ryan stories, you know, just write them down." And I went into her office the other day for something. I don't I don't necessarily remember what it was. But we're talking, and she goes, oh, wait, 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 before you leave. It's adorable. She pulls up her uh, her phone, the, the notes app on her phone, and it's just like seven, eight like things. They're just like Ryan's stories. She's like, oh, I, I'm already working on them. I have so many. So it's going to be some pretty fun stories. And When we asked them, they seemed so excited. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm, listen, they're very fun people. They're yeah. legitimately fun storytellers. Characters their characters it makes sense that they're if you know yeah. if you guys know ryan it makes sense that these You'll people are his parents yeah so yeah. yeah very excited about that um unfortunately dave i feel like it's it's that time of the week now where we're not things to say yeah i've been sitting in the sun all weekend and my brain is fried so i've also run out of things to say all right, guys. Well, if make sure to to follow us over on Instagram and Twitter. That's at PWTCast on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and until next time, until next week, you guys, I've been Scrump. This is Stink. And this is friend of the show, Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega here, friend of the show. Unfortunately, we've run out of things to say. And so, well, we must bid you adieu. So until next time at the PWT's cast, goodbye and good night. Bang. Bang.